Hello everyone and welcome to the All In Football Podcast with me, your host, Cully Matharu. And with me today, as always, are Scott Williams, Tom Hughes and Alex Rex. We're here, of course, to discuss all things football and this week we're talking young players of the season and that dreaded subject, VAR. We're also going to be talking about the social media boycott several players and teams have decided to partake in, as, as well as our weekly features on the Championship Fantasy Football and the EFL. As always, if you'd like to give us a follow on social media, please do on All In Football Pod on Instagram and All In Football P on Twitter. Plenty of content on there to help you with your fantasy football teams as well as your weekend hackers. As always, please remember to gamble responsibly. Okay, let's get stuck in, fellas. Um, we're going to start with young player of the season. Quite a tough season for young players to shine this season. Uh, but there are still a few candidates uh, to take the award. Um, Alex, let's start with you, mate. Who's the outstanding candidate for you to take the award? When you asked the question originally, Cully, I only had one person, and that was Phil Foden. Um, this season, for me, has been his coming-of-age season. Um, this He's played 24 appearances, 14 starts already this season. Last year, he did 23 appearances. The season before was 13. He's already got six goals and eight assists, which outdoes his, his tallies from previous years by a long way already. But the big thing for me about Phil Foden this year is he's been involved in the big games. So he's not missed a Champions League game yet this season for Manchester City. And that is the holy grail for them this year. He has featured in uh, the big games, for example, Liverpool and Manchester United. The only ones he's actually really missed are ones at the very beginning of the season. Uh, and he's been benched most recently against Burnley, Wolves, Fulham and Southampton. So for the key matches, he's there. And he scored obviously two great goals against Dortmund. He's got them through as well to the semi-finals of the Champions League. Whereas last year, he wasn't even on the pitch for the Lyon game. And he was benched for both games against Spurs, Liverpool and United. I think he just looks fantastic. So, Phil Foden for me all the way. Tom, I know you're a big fan of Phil Foden. I assume you concur. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, brilliant stats from Alex there, but sometimes it's not about the stats. Sometimes it's just about watching the player. And I think with Phil Foden, even without the great stats, and it's important to look at those numbers because obviously output is important. But football is entertainment. And watching a player like Phil Foden... He feels like a Spanish player to me. The way he moves, the way he navigates the pitch, and I wonder whether that's a bit of Pep's influence. You know, he's come up, he's probably the first player that's come up during those Pep years. And has that style of play really benefited Phil Foden and resulted in the player that we see before us now? Because the way he moves is just majestic and he's got such confidence. Like Alex said, big goals, big games. He's a big game player. He is a big game player. Uh, so without a shadow of a doubt, Phil Foden... Um, I think Harvey Barnes, before he picked up his injury, was doing brilliantly for Leicester. And I think Leicester's drop-off in form since Barnes and obviously Madison uh, picked up injuries has has not helped them. Um, so it, for me, Barnes would have been a contender had he carried on in that vein. But yeah, for all the reasons Alex said, and also just for the reason that he's a joy to watch, it's got to be Phil Foden. I think... Um, even even for England, he may he may end up being the make or break player for us this summer. You know, if he can if he can deliver, we could be do brilliant things. So, yeah, I, I mean, I I really take your point about him being a bit of like a Spanish type player. He's got a lot of I don't want to put pressure on him, 
but he's got a lot of Iniesta about him, hasn't he? About the way he controls the ball, the way he dribbles. I was literally, when I said that, I was thinking Iniesta, but I didn't want to curse him, so I didn't say yeah. it. But, you, uh, don't want to, you don't want to put that pressure on him, but he, he has got the similar, he's probably got more pace than Iniesta. Obviously, he's got his own, he's just started his career, so let's see where he goes. Let's not be putting this pressure on, because we know, we know <laughs> Phil Foden listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, calm down, don't worry, we're not comparing you to, to Iniesta, it's all right. I, Expecting a tweet very soon from him. Um, Scott, are you sticking with West Ham, I suppose, for your candidates? Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's one man that sticks out. He's been fantastic his second half this season. It's the main man. It's Jesse Lingard, without a shadow of a doubt. He's <laughs> he's had a few years, hasn't he, where he's been finding his feet, but he's he's absolutely shone through. He's been he's just taking them probably into a top four position and so impressive. So yeah, what is he like? Twenty one still. Unbelievable. Constant, constant, constant promising youngster, that lad, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's been breaking through for a decade now. Yeah. But no, to be fair, he's had a look at this. About 28. So, you know, he's still got time, hasn't he, to um, maintain this form. But no, for me, a bit of a letdown this year. Looking at the nominations, Saka, Trent. Trent? It's been pretty bang average, hasn't he, this year? Reese James, Meh, Ferran Torres. Not for me. And Pulisic has had about four good games in a row. So it's been a bit disappointing when you compare it to other years when you've got an informed Rashford doing bits and Bernardo Silva. And yet, yeah, there's <laughs> one man that's just missing from that list. Where's Declan Rice? Let's get a petition started. This is an absolute disgrace. How is he not on that list? That's ridiculous. No, Do you know what? I don't, I don't quite love Declan Rice as much as Scott, but he, he's got a good point there. How is Declan Rice not on that list of some of those names? Torres on there. He's all right, but how is how is he on there over Declan Rice? That's the travesty, really, isn't it? Um, is, that, is that the official list? That's the official list that oh. I read out. And there's um, Mason Mount in there as well. But Oh, well, Mason Mount. Oh, I'm not, I'm not denying Mason Mount, but... Yeah, Declan Rice is fantastic. I'm, 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 I'm absolutely buzzing how young he is. And when I was doing a bit of research, he, <laughs> I forgot he won Irish Young Player of the Year. What an achievement for the English <laughs> boy! <laughs> that, that is, uh, that, that that did make me chuckle. But one thing I was saying then, I was listening to you, Alex. I was just thinking to the Champions League final. Three of them four teams had young English talent in them. I think that's unbelievably exciting for us going forward, isn't it? Oh, 100%. I, I love that. And Bellingham's goal yesterday was a, a touch of class. And, um, yeah, really looking forward to seeing these guys come through. And Belling- well, Bellingham should have had one in the first leg as well. Yeah. Let's not forget that. So it wasn't just like he got lucky. He should have had one in the first leg as well. Another player you've missed out on, Alex, at United, Bellingham. Um, uh, right, let's uh, let's see who's going to win it then. A few notable mentions have we, have we've uh, already said. The likes of Saka and Smith-Rowe at Arsenal have been a breath of fresh air for them. Curtis Jones at Liverpool has done pretty well before his injury, uh, showing great promise <laughs> at the uh, early on wow, in the season. Wow, that's a Straws are getting clutched over there. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a clutch at something. Harvey Barnes, injury, having a great season, as Tom mentioned. Pedro Neto, impressing again before his injury can tell the season. I assume it's a landslide, though. Scott, who are you going to go for? Who's going to win the, the award? Who's going to win it? Oh, Philip Foden. Put your bloody house in it. He's won it already, yeah. 100%. Tom, Foden, I assume. Yeah. Mount, Mount's close. Mount's done, Mount's done well. Yeah, I Foden. think Mount and Rice challenge him. Yeah, but I, I, I'll Alex say Rice Foden and challenge him, well. mate. He's not in the bloody nominations, so he can't challenge him. <laughs> well, it should be. Should be. Disgrace. Alex Foden? Yeah, all, all day, yeah, for me. 
sound. Right, uh, we're going to move on to a bit of a more serious topic now uh, and switch the attention to the uh, social media side of things. Uh, we've seen so many players and clubs in recent weeks uh, boycott social media for a period of time due to the level of abuse players are getting on there. Then there's a flip side that Jordan Henderson has decided to um, hand his social media accounts over to Cyber Smile Foundation, who educate people about the effects of abuse online. Tom, it's a difficult subject. Um, what do you make of the boycott and which is the right way to go about it? Jordan Henderson's or the, the boycott from the players? I think there's value in both the approaches. I don't think that it's appropriate with something as serious as to maybe say one's better than the other I think it will to solve something as deep-rooted as this because it's not a little problem is it to solve something as deep-rooted as this it's going to take multiple approaches and it's going to take multiple leaders so you know it's brilliant seeing players like Jordan Henderson it's brilliant seeing uh, you know ex-players like Thierry Henry uh, taking action on this clubs taking action on this but I guess it really comes down to why are they having to take action on it? Because honestly, the social media companies, frankly, should be, I don't, I don't know how they're not getting more pressure. I don't know how the government are not putting more pressure on them to solve this. Because if that was down at your local pub or, you know, down at a restaurant or at school or at your workplace, there'd be investigations, persecution. I, it just, it doesn't, I just cannot believe there is so little regulation on social media. Uh, and, Although it's really admirable, and it is, that these, these guys are ste stepping up, that clubs are stepping up and showing the way and, and using their platform to make a point, they just shouldn't have to be doing that, you know? And it's just a joke that the institutions we have in this country and around the, around the world and in Europe can't take strong reaction on this. And I think the latest one was, was at Kudus um, at Sparta. It was only banned for 10 games after they've pretty much condemned him for racism. So is that what racisms were for 10-match ban? Because I think that's outrageous. I think that that just sends completely the wrong message. And, I, yeah, frankly, I'm just a bit lost with it all because I, I all I can think of, from the social media co uh, company point of view, it's just about money. If they have to force people to do some kind of signing up process, it delays people signing up. It disengages them from signing up. And obviously for them, they like to be able to go and market them as having X amount of followers, X amount of users. It's just about money for the social media companies, which means it's up to the government to regulate it or force regulation. And they're just, it's pathetic, to be honest. Yeah, that's that's why I've summed it up. I completely agree, Tom. Couldn't agree more. And it's the, it's the data gather. Because, I mean, Facebook, I think the last number was nearly 3 billion unique users. And, it, and it's just their pull is all about their data that they have. So they just... Then they're not. Then just not bothered, and they're not reacting fast enough. Um, it's a legal matter. It goes. It goes way, way above football. But obviously, we're talking about football here, and uh, the platform that they've got. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's the most followed Instagram man in the world, isn't he? He's got two hundred and seventy-six million Instagram followers, and like Manchester United as a club, for example, I know they've got forty million Instagram followers. They've got a real platform there to, to do something about it, make a stand, put a message out there. And um, yeah, I just really hope that it's, it's more than just a boycott. I hope it's something a little bit more with a bit more substance, I suppose. Um, but I'm afraid I don't, have, I don't have the answers. I always get a bit uncomfortable talking about these sort of things, to be honest. I don't have the answers, but they need to yeah. be more than just a boycott. Uh, the, the only thing I'd say on the boycotts, the only possible downside is, it does send a message because obviously it gets talked about in the media, but 
also there is then no message from those clubs and is it more powerful if you have like Alex says hundreds of millions of followers is it more powerful sending constant and consistent messages on it rather than just going complete blackout because uh, yeah you, you need to get the message out to these people somehow I, do you know what I just if I was the big clubs I just like uh, individual players do sometimes I just if you found comments like that I'd plaster them all over their, their social media and embarrass people because you know the social media companies aren't going to do it so that's I that's what people have. I get so angry about this. They've started doing it, haven't they? You see it more and more. Our our captain, Scum 49 captain Jordan Clark, he's had it several times this year, and they've started doing it. I agree, they need to do it, but it needs to come from government. Yeah, yeah definitely agreed on, on all points there, boys. Right, okay, we're going to uh, move on to the championship and the roundup of the week, and uh, here's Scott to run you through that. Cheers, Cully. Um, well, Delia is getting them feasts ready because the Canaries, Norwich City, they're almost there. One more win against, or another win against Derby at the weekend means they're just one win away from an instant return to the Premier League. Watford look highly likely to join them in bouncing straight back after being playoff chasing Reading 2 on Friday night. In fact, all the top six won this weekend, meaning it's now Brentford, Swansea, Barnsley and Bournemouth occupying the playoffs. At the wrong end of the table, Wickham went down to 10 men and lost at the weekend. Seems like an impossible job for them now. Second bottom chef Wednesday lost at, um, lost at the weekend and in midweek. They're also looking for a miracle to keep them up. Now let's talk about Rotherham. Rotherham drew at the weekend to leave them six points off safety, but because of COVID postponements, they had three games in hand over country. They they won again, though, in midweek to close the gap to just three points. Can they achieve the greatest of great escapes? Looking ahead to the weekend, game of the weekend, just mentioned them, Rotherham versus Birmingham. A win for Rotherham would drag Birmingham right back into the relegation mix. And one for the Aka. We're so close at the weekend coming in there, boys and girls. Just a Markham goal away. So we go again. We will win this weekend. Borough versus uh, Middlesbrough against QPR over 1.5 is my bet for the championship. 13 out of Middlesbrough's last 14, all over 1.5. And QPR's last six, all over 1.5. Fingers crossed. Brilliant. Cheers, Scott. Yeah, hopefully that comes in for us this week. Right, uh, time to talk about that dreaded subject, VAR now. Uh, didn't do itself any favours last week, did it, lads? Uh, seemed like every game had a moment of controversy. In a way, they actually got probably a, a bit lucky that the teams have got the decisions against them or won. Uh, so the uproar could have been even worse. But uh, let's start with the offsides. Alex, you've been one in the past to say offsides are just facts. We just need to deal with them. But surely you'll, you'll understand the frustration. We had three this past weekend. Obviously, the, the Jota one for Liverpool, the Podence one for Wolves, and Diagna. I think that's how you pronounce his name for West Brom. Is this just football now uh, as a fact? Do we have to deal with it? And how can we make it less painstakingly awful? My point on this is that the rules are the rules. They're in that. They're in place, offside's offside, and everyone's had one of them this season. It doesn't take away from it at all the fact that I think it's complete nonsense and I hate it but that is what it is you know his sleeve was offside was pedences and 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 the the rules that are in place for the one with uh, the West Brom one where he's going through Kyle Bartley and the line the, the the problem is the rules not VAR and the people operating VAR and who are making the rules there's going to be lines with offside. There's going to be lines on a screen if we're going to have VAR. It's here to stay, so you're just going to have to deal with it. But 
at the moment, there's just there's no margin for error. Uh, so there's always going to be tight ones, but there's just there's the no margin for error that bothers me. So we need to come up with a system that has some sort of margin for error or some sort of leeway or give. Because how far can you move your arm in a split second? Well, I've just done it in three feet for you guys who are looking at me right now. It's it, three feet in a split second. It's a joke. So there has to be margin for error. We have to look at the other countries and with the lines touching, we, you know, then it's on side. We, we have to look at, there's got to be some sort of solution. And I'm going to say it again, margin for error. Um, the social media responses we got this week to the polls were quite good. And thank you everyone for contributing to those. Um, and uh, miking up the referees was one of the big ones. So we can hear about the decisions that are being made. And obviously we'll talk about some of those in a bit. Um, but using VAR as a last resort rather than it being just something that you use all the time to re-referee the game, the clear and obvious errors. So my point, Cully, is that, yeah, Jota was offside. Deal with it. I'm afraid we, we've all, we, we've, we've all had them this year, but it doesn't take away from the fact that that's a nonsense and the rules need to change. So stop moaning about the fact it's offside and let's moan about the rules I come up with solutions. Do you not agree that it's too surgical? It's just a pain to watch. It's so hard to watch football now with the offside decisions. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I completely agree. It's a nonsense. It needs sorting out. But it's offside. That's the way it is this year, I'm afraid. It's, 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 it's nonsense, but for 20-odd years, people have been saying we need to get technology in the game. So the same people are all saying um, we, we don't want it. So we can't have everything. We just need to tweak it. It's new. We'll get there. I hope. Well, we, we better do. We've got the best league I mean, in the world. They should. They should get there. But also, what the fuck? I mean, what the fuck were they doing when they were testing it? Honestly, have they not learned about project management, end-to-end testing? I've got no idea how it was released in such shoddy form. That's all I'll say. Terrible. They need to hire a certain man called Tom Hughes, I think, for that. It's a, multi, uh, it's a multi-billion pound <laughs> industry, and it's awful. What did they do? Was there no quest? Was there no testing at all? Like flipping heck. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I can't, I can't disagree with you, Tom. It's, it's awful to watch in the minute. Uh, perhaps the most debated decision of the weekend was actually the the McTominay supposed foul on um, and Son to disallow a goal for Manchester United, Tom. Um, first of all, I know it's a massive shock to see a decision to go against Manchester United, but um, <laughs> surely. <laughs> but surely that's uh, surely that's not a foul. And if it's given, how can they not bandage a second yellow for McTominay? Well, I was surprised when the referee blew the whistle and it didn't result in a Man United penalty, even though it was in the middle of the pitch. <laughs> so that's the first shot. We've not had a I penalty for ages. It's a joke. Oh, I know. That's it's been at least for like two weeks, has it, Alex? Yeah. And Bruno's balls uh, are dried up. Um, so is the decision is the decision wrong? Uh, everyone seems pretty certain that it is, right? But I'll ask you this. I watched that in slow motion, right? And when he gets... He, if you're pushing someone off, you put your arm out, right? You put it out. But what McTominay does, and you can really clearly see this in the replays, is when his arm gets about halfway out, from where his elbow is, he actually flicks it out as if he's punching. And I think that's why they've given it. Because if you watch that, that is not natural for pushing someone off the ball. I actually saw it and I thought, he's lucky to not get a red card. So... I'll go against all the people who are on the poll, all the pundits, and say that actually 
it was the right decision, and I think McTominay knew exactly so what, what he was doing. So why didn't they? The, and it was the wrong decision. This is my point with this. It's the wrong decision because it's a red card or second yellow if you want to go there, or it's a foul. It's not what happened. What happened can't happen. Uh, and this is this is a problem, right? Because I would have given McTominay a yellow for that, but they're not allowed to under the rules of VAR. But they should have been able to. But Alex, you said they're they're allowed to brandish a second yellow, are they? To, what they were, t- what they were talking about on Sky Sports when they reviewed it at half time? Because I thought they weren't, but apparently they're allowed to brandish a second yellow card according to the when they were chatting at half time. But even then, if you say he's flicked his arm out, it's violent conduct. It's straight red. Honestly, I would not have even been remotely annoyed if he'd have been sent off, like because it's a joke. But I wouldn't have been anywhere near as annoyed as I was to have the decision that was actually made. Just yeah, so wrong. It, it just seems very confusing, doesn't it? Um, anyway, stop. just on that point, just watch it back. Just trust me. When he he, he hyperextends his elbow, he literally you can see it speeds up and he flicks out. Just just trust me. Game's I'm gone. Unbiased. I'm unbiased on it. I'm unbiased on it because Cooper's red. I actually think was a red card. Don't worry, this Tom. I'm all the Leeds boys on that, and I think it was a. I think it was. Right, and right, so it, but. So, Tom, you think it was a foul. I think it 100% wasn't a foul. Uh, Alex, obviously, you you obviously there's a slightly biased opinion that it wasn't a foul. No, it, it wasn't a foul, Cully, but I completely appreciate Tom's opinion on that. Because And, yeah. and if he was sent off and second yellow carded or whatever for it, I completely appreciate that side of things. Yeah, and I tend to agree with you on that one. Scott, do you reckon it's a foul or not? Uh, I, don't, I don't reckon it's a foul. And I'll tell you what, um, I'll be watching Tom when we play five-a-side later, see how many of these <laughs> handoffs he does. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a problem with goals refs as it is, isn't nah. it? So I'm sure. <laughs> so I'm sure I have plenty to talk about. Oh, the uh, goals, right. goals refs, goals refs would never have given that, mate. Okay, let's not talk about goals refs on this podcast, right? Uh, Scott, apparently now you can be booted in the head and not be uh, be given a penalty. How exactly did Newcastle not get a penalty at the weekend? Yeah, for me, that's probably not a penalty. Really? No, that, no yeah, definitely a penalty. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think everyone was probably. I think the VAR officials were doing what we did, saw Newcastle playing, and probably didn't bother watching. Um, like it, it was, it, yeah, it's a penalty, unlucky. Um, but yeah, I don't know, understand what's going on there. You can't have your head that high. Um, you know, he could could have caused serious injury. So, bit of a bit of a shock of that one, wasn't it? Yeah, well, Liam Cooper red card at City. Now, I I had um, a very strong opinion on this that it's a definite red card. Mm. And this is, but it divided quite a few people. I think on social media as well. Was it unlucky to receive a red card for you? Uh, unlucky? No, no, no. A definite red card. Um, it's one of those where you look at and it's you think it's a dark yellow when you first see it. But that's what VAR is there for. It's it's a reckless and it's a dangerous tackle. We've seen lots of legs broken. And I, and I don't think there is many complaints. Um, you can compare it to red cards that weren't red cards in other games, but it doesn't make a difference, unfortunately. That should have been a red card in another game. It still should be a red card in this game. So, yeah, definite red. And uh, Le- Leeds have Stuart Dallas, so it doesn't really matter, does it? They can He is two men, isn't he? So it's fine. I think, I think what people kicking off on social media about the Cooper thing is not that Cooper got sent off. It's the inconsistency. We had the Roberts one the week before. Yeah. In that game, there was two potential send-offs for Fernandinho and for Gabriel Hay- uh, for Sterling, sorry, and neither of them got looked at. That's what's annoying. Consistency. Sterling's could have definitely could have definitely been a red. He stamped on him, and Fernandinho's was an awful challenge. So it's consistency and everything to do with refereeing at the moment. 
That's Leeds, about, Leeds just... fans, though, isn't it? Love to have a complaint <laughs> when they beat Man City. Mate, fucking all, all against us. <laughs> you talk about consistency, though, and it's also we've we've bred this within the game as 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 players and referees have bred this sorry in the game for players. So for Man United's third goal, Paul Pogba took it past Eric Dyer, and he quite blatantly caught Eric Dyer in the neck or just underneath with his flailing arm as he held him off before he played in the, one of the best young English talents in in, in the game, Mason Greenwood, uh, to score his goal, but. What it is, is that if Eric Dyer had gone down, then it would have been looked at by VAR. If it had rolled around on the floor for three minutes, like Hyung Min Son did, it would have been looked at by VAR. And then they might have even ruled it out because they should have done on consistency. I so totally agree with that point. We've just bred this, this diving, fading culture within our game and... You know, people talk about, oh, the game's gone, the game's gone. I'm sick of that statement. The game's gone with the Cooper Red. To be honest, I, I, I thought it was a dark yellow, but what, whatever. You know, he, I, I love this dark yellow term. Can we get well, that in? Cooper was just an idiot because he could have played the ball straight away, but he decided to be Billy Big Balls and try to go through Jesus at the same time when he didn't need to. I mean, he's the one that gave the, the referees the decision. But the, the point is, is that at the end of the day, we've bred this culture of if you dive, if you scream Lacazette three times, then what we will do is we will review it for you guys. But if you stay up and play honestly, now nah, do you know what? You don't get any decisions. And I think it's spot on. I think the reaction of the player who's offended against is huge in terms of review, even reviewing the situation. I think because the Leeds players don't do it in general. They don't react and they're actually quite a good club like that. And and that's probably why the Sterling and the Fernandinho incidents didn't get that reviewed. I think because Jesus made such a big deal out of it, probably was hurt because it was quite high. That's why it got reviewed. I'm it's- not debating that Cooper's wasn't a red. I've said from the start, you could see the follow through hit his knee. I just want some consistency. But what I will say is Leeds hadn't had a player sent off until then. And honestly, it's getting a bit boring. Uh, I want to see some more <laughs> red cards from Leeds United. Now we're safe. I want to see some flying tackles and I want to see Berardi headbutt someone when we play Man United. <laughs> I think you were right on the Roberts one as well. I can't remember. Was it Baldock who made the challenge yeah, on it? Yeah. Um, I think if Roberts made even more of a a, um, a gesture or, or stayed down for a little bit longer, I know Baldock was down with concussion after that. That's probably why he didn't get sent off. But I think if Roberts made a lot more of it and screamed like Jesus, he probably would have been sent off. But Again, again with, Bal- with Baldock, it's reaction, it's outcome. It's, we're not making a decision based on what we see in front of us. We're making a decision based on an outcome afterwards. So, oh, Baldock's hurt. Let's not send him off for two-foot tackling and sending Tyler Roberts flying through the air. What, I think it's, I, just, it's just ridiculous. I think we're all in agreement, aren't we? It's just consistency. It's just about getting getting consistency through all the refereeing decisions so we understand what's happening. It brings it back to the VAR side of things. Sorry, that's true. But it brings it back to that VAR side of things at the beginning. My problem isn't VAR. My problem is is the rules, and my problem is is the people operating it. Yeah, I agree with that, mate. Right, Tom, I'm going to come to you on this one, and it's Leeds against Liverpool. Obviously, a clash of me versus you uh, on Monday night. Um, chances of another big win for Leeds? Key areas for both teams, you think, for the win? Uh, yeah, I think we could definitely. We've definitely got a shot. I didn't feel very optimistic against City ahead of the City game because I just thought the form that they were in, we wouldn't um, really stand a chance. But luckily, they played the. Their extremely expensive B team, and uh, we managed we managed to do them. But 
Liverpool, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether they'll have a point to prove uh, maybe against uh, go, uh, after going out against Real Madrid. Kind of, I know they had a few chances in that game, but relatively quietly going out, you know, didn't really put up much of a fight. Um, so I think they may come out with a bit of a point to prove just to finish the league strong. Uh, no pressure on the Leeds team, though. So the, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach it. We were a bit more, uh, con, I guess, reserved the last few games. Uh, so maybe against Liverpool, we can see them open back up again. Key areas, I mean, if Liverpool's attack are playing, uh, if they're on fire, there's nothing we're going to do to stop that. So uh, that's the, the first one. You know, if Salah and Mane decide that they want to start playing football again, then it could be game over for us in that before it even starts. Uh, for us, I think key area is probably going to be Calvin Phillips probably just because a lot of the balls going into those front three, if he can cut those out, that'll do us a good job. Um, we need to control that midfield. So, And let's not forget Stuart Dallas in there as well, who is uh, suddenly, you know, prime Pele or something. I don't even know what's happened to him. So, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I, think for, I think for Leeds, it's probably in the midfield. Controlling that will be important for us. Uh, I think for Liverpool, it's just if you're front three turn up, your defence is rubbish. So we probably score. So it's just if you're front three turn up. Yeah, I can't disagree with that, to be fair. All right, quick score predictions then, Tom. What do you reckon? Uh, I'm going to go 5-0 Leeds on this one. Right, I'm going to go 3-2 Liverpool, I think. Oh, that's more on hope than expectation. Scott? 0-0. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth, Scott. Yeah, I was going to say 0-0 as well. Um, I no, think, way, no way is this finish 0 I think it's a 2-2 draw. It's more likely to finish 5-5 than 0-0. Um, right, OK, well, we'll wrap up with the Premier League this week. Uh, Scott, talk us through the goings-on in the Football League, please, mate. Yeah, so a world without VAR. It's uh, it's more of an enjoyable one, absolutely. So, yeah, let's wrap League 1 and League 2 up this week. So, busy, busy, busy as always. So, starting in League 1 um, at the weekend. Third place, Sunderland lost to playoff chase in Charlton to leave the Alex just one point off the playoffs. Hull and Peterborough made the most of that loss by picking up vital three points. Blackpool, Portsmouth and Lincoln all failed to win, but remain in the playoffs. Donny continued to collapse. This was their fourth loss in a row against relegation threatened Wigan. Taking the lead, but getting hammered 4-1 at home to Latics. The bottom of the league remains incredibly tight. That win for Wigan took them one point off AFC Wimbledon and safety. Uh, They thrashed Accrington Stanley 5-1. No win to Bristol Rovers, Swindon and Rochdale. Rounds off the bottom four. Full set, pretty much of midweek fixtures. So um, into midweek, the big result came at the DW Stadium where relegation threatened Wigan beat promotion chasing Sunderland 2-1. That made it back-to-back wins and took them out the bottom four. Sunderland are now five points off an automatic promotion spot. Lincoln got back to winning ways to move to fourth while uh, Blackpool and um, Portsmouth rounding off the playoffs. Bottom of the table, Rochdale picked up a massive three points against second bottom Swindon and two wins in a row have taken AFC Wimbledon out the bottom four. It's looking like four from six now uh, for them relegation spots at the bottom of League One. Game of the weekend, AFC Wimbledon against Swindon. Two of the bottom six meet meet in a vital six-pointer. And one for the Akia, Blackpool versus Sunderland, both teams to score. Blackpool have scored in seven of their last eight games. Sunderland, this is remarkable. Sunderland have scored in their last 26 games in all competitions. Lovely start, that. 
Uh, into League Two, and at the top um, of the League Two this weekend, Cheltenham picked up a vital three points to inch them towards promotion. Stumbling Cambridge lost, while Bolton won to continue their fantastic second part of the season. Tromir could only pick up a point against my Scunny Boys to drop them into the playoffs. Morecambe and Forest Green Rovers lost, and on the back of that loss, the Forest Green Rovers board took the surprising decision to sack manager Mark Cooper. Cooper has taken the vegan outfit up for the National League and sitting in the playoffs um, in League Two. However, they've decided the time is right to get a new man or woman at the helm. Watch this space. Now, if you're a fan of bottom of the table, Grimsby Town, you'll be praying your club show a bit of fight to try and maintain their league status. However, they would not have wanted to see it be between two of their own players. Stefan Payne was sent off in the first half for appearing to headbutt his teammate, Felipe Maris. They went on to lose the game and now further adrift at the bottom of the league. Southend drew to close the gap slightly to Colchester, who lost. I mention it every week, but it's one win in 25 now for Colchester. Big win in midweek for Bolton against playoff chase in Salford. Takes some four clear of Markham in that final automatic promotion position. Morpham, Morpham picked up a win against my boys to keep the pressure on. The race for the playoffs in League Two is fantastic. Realistically, 13 teams could still gain promotion. Only five points separate Crawl in 13th and Forest Green Rovers in 7th. Barrow won back-to-back games to take them nine points clear of the bottom two. Great first season back in Football League football for them. Game of the weekend, Exeter versus Southend. Exeter need the points to get in the playoffs. Southend need the points to stay in the Football League. One for the Acker, Markham versus Oldham, over 2.5. Five of the last... Five of their last seven home games have all been over 2.5. Four out of the last five games in our competitions for Oldham have all been over 2.5. And what I'm going to finish off with this week, um, like we mentioned, there was some in-house fighting um, between the Grimsby boys at the weekend. So it's got me thinking there's been quite a few famous instances of infighting down the years. So I'm going to throw it out to you. I'm going to start with you, Alex. Um, Who springs to mind when you think of infighting in the club? I just thought about this year, actually, at Man United. So when Maguire and, and Rashford fell out on the pitch against Crystal Palace uh, and Rashford told Sir Harry to shut the F up at one point and called him a uh, a rude word. Because um, basically Maguire was having a go at him because he was caught offside. Um, and Rashford's been caught offside more times than I think any other player in the league this year other than I think it's Vardy and Ollie Watkins. Um, but... It, I think I'm always a bit. I've always got a bit of a blend on this. I don't mind players having a go at each other on the pitch a little bit, just to sort of you know get a bit of passion. You know, you need to rein, you know, rein it in. You need to pull it, pull it out of the bag. But physical violence is uh, is is never on. But yeah, that was our our occurrence this season. It's a great shot, and I agree with you. Um, I mean, we we see it at a lower level. And we we play five side football every week, and uh, yeah, we we certainly wouldn't be squaring up to each other. But a bit of passion goes a long way, doesn't it, on the football pitch? Um, over to you, Cully. Who springs to mind, mate? Um, not so much they were fighting or uh, abusing each other, but I remember an incident last year, you probably remember, uh, Burnley away, that Sadio Mane had a bit of a, a tiff on the bench when he came off, substituted. We were 3-0 up at the time, and there was an incident where Salah could have passed to Mane for an easy fourth goal, a tap-in. don't know with Salah, uh, with Mane's finishing at the minute, actually, probably would have missed, but um, that's when we used to score goals. Um but yeah, he got taken off literally about two minutes after that and he was fuming at Salah. He was throwing his... And everyone on the Liverpool bench was just laughing. 
uh, and that was signified a little bit of a, a spat between the two. That still goes on to today, to be fair. People accuse Mane of not going down in the penalty box because he doesn't want Salah to score from the penalty. So I don't know what's going on with them too, but um, it was quite funny. And it's still interesting to see Mane get um, annoyed and angry. It's quite funny because he's such a, well, he just comes across such a nice guy off the pitch. Yeah, it's um, it just shows how far Liverpool have fallen this year, really. They were crying about not having a fourth goal and you can't have a winning game this year. So, <laughs> how the mighty have fallen. But no, they'll, they'll bounce, they'll bounce. And it was Michael Owen, wasn't it, that said that. And he, he's got many words of wisdom. So, uh, yeah, take that what you will. And finally to you, Tom, who springs to mind, buddy? Uh, probably not a famous one. I doubt anyone listening will even know this even happened probably but back before Leeds famously uh, you know went down into the depths of the lower leagues uh, we were actually quite good and on our way to a 6-1 win against Bradford uh, Stuart McCall and um, uh, I think it was Andy Myers just halfway through a bit of play Leeds throwing halfway down the pitch and all of a sudden they just start scrapping and um, I think Andy Myers actually landed, and I'm not talking about the punches we see these days. It's a bit soft, isn't it? It's all a bit pathetic. You just leave it out, really. <laughs> I'm talking a proper punch in the face in the middle of the pitch. And uh, I think McCall, who was a captain, by the way, had to get stitches after the game. So there you go. That's the one. I think I was a kid when I was watching that. I must have been about 10 years old, and I was just like, what the hell is going on? Brilliant. It's a good shout. Don't, don't make think, it like that anymore. No, I think we'll give that a YouTube later. Yeah, former Scunthorpe United manager, actually, Stuart McCall. Um, didn't know that about him. It's kind of made me happy because he did F all at our club. So uh, the fact that that story happens, sort of cheer me up a bit, actually. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's plenty out there. We want to know what you think as well, guys, listening to this. So uh, let us know. Instagram, all in football, uh, P on Twitter, and all in football pod on Instagram. Let us know on there. And uh, yeah, we'll give you a shout out. Back to you, Kali. Cheers, mate. Yeah, I can't believe no one mentioned the absolutely obvious one that we all remember, which is Lee Bowyer and Kieran Dyer. Uh, God forbid uh, what Graham Sooness did to them in the changing rooms after that incident. Uh, but right, let's talk about fantasy football. Uh, seven weeks to go for the majority of teams. Uh, squeaky bum time for all of us in our leagues. What tips have you got for this, this week, Alex? Well, I've got a couple of good ones, hopefully, to help you navigate game week 32 and the double game week for Spurs this week, and uh, hopefully for the, a couple of transfer tips for the rest of the season. Game week 31 review to start off with, and you'll all be really happy, you Leeds fans. Let's start off with the top performing player of the week, which is Stewie Dallas, 17 points. He was benched by over a million fantasy football managers. down, Cafu. Um, and he, he did uh, he did put a message out about that did Stuart Dallas and uh, yeah he was he was very, I think he was quite offended he was benched this many times you've got to back him you've got to back him um, other notable mentions go to Sam Johnson who saved the penalty uh, 15 points for himself uh, two Chelsea assets Pulisic and Havertz with 15 and 10 points Jesse Lingard continues his freight train approach to just scoring, 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 scoring. Uh, 14 points. Ian Acho with 13. Lacazette with 13 as well against Sheffield United. Very pleased to have him in my fantasy team this week. Jared Bowen proving that he is a fantastic asset at 2.3% owned, getting 12 points, playing through the middle alongside Lingard. He is absolutely a shout to watch out for, especially from when their fixtures turn um, after the Chelsea game. They have got Newcastle this week, Chelsea, but then they have got Burnley in a really good run for the rest of the season. So Bowen, good differential for you guys to look out for. The return of Alan Saint-Maximin with 12 points showing, giving a little bit of life yet to Newcastle potentially. Callum Wilson also returned that week. 
Trent Alexander-Arnold with 11 points, showing uh, that he actually does have some really good ability and good quality, showing a bit of uh, from what he had last season. Uh, and uh, Cavani and that man, Mason Greenwood, again, uh, 11 points apiece. Um, and a little shout-out to uh, Olsen and Everton, who was in goal, who uh, also got 10 points. Um I played my wildcard last week. Have you all seen it on Instagram? Got 78 points. Uh, nice big rank rise. Really pleased with that one. Uh, and I want to come to you, first of all, Thomas Hughes, with another 250,000 places you're, you rose in your rank this week. You played your wildcard. You got 70 points. Talk us through your game week. Just awesome, aren't I, really? When I pay attention to things, I think that sums it up pretty much. Uh yeah, no, really, really happy. Um, a bit upset that I keep getting my captain choice wrong because that 70 points was despite having Jota as captain. And I should have known because Liverpool are rubbish. But I thought I'd take a gamble on him because Jota's quite good. But unfortunately, Liverpool are too rubbish to make Jota get me points on fantasy. So that was upsetting. But apart from that, uh, very happy. I'm really sorry, Stuart Dallas. I'm really, really sorry. Uh, because I was one of the people that benched you and you were my third sub. <laughs> so as my joy, I mean, obviously I'd, I always want Leeds to, Leeds to win, but as those goals popped in for him, I was just like, bugger, that would have been nice to have him in. But uh, yeah, I think um, listening to the podcast has helped, to be honest, Alex, because Iheanacho, uh brilliant for me. The only one that I'm a bit upset I didn't get in was Lacazette, uh, but Iheanacho and uh, Lingard, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant point yeah. also. Very happy. Good stuff. I should have backed myself last week. I went for Jota as well, captain, but my top of my list was Lacazette against Sheffield United and I just went against it and I got my captain choice wrong again. So it's, uh, it's definitely something I'm going to be looking at at the end of the season. Um, Cully, 57 points uh, and no no chip played, I don't think, this week either. You don't think you've got any left. So um, <laughs> talk us through your game week. Well, you haven't done your research because I've got one chip left. I've got my bench boots left, mate. So that'll start getting played soon. I think in game week 34, maybe, I'm thinking. But that'll, that'll come down the line. Uh, yeah, very, very, very similar to Tom's, if I'm honest. I had Dallas third sub, so he didn't come on for me. Um, yeah, that was a crucial 17 points. That could have made a massive difference in my work league. Um, Iheanacho and Trent did really well for me. And Lingard, so they were the three main scorers for me. My captain choice was Fernandez. Very odd that United scored three goals and he's not involved in any... Slightly unlucky there, but yeah, 50%, no pens, 50, mate. yeah, no pens. It hundred percent correct. You bang on this week, Tom. I have to say, uh, fifty-seven points. Uh, yeah, distinctly average, but yeah, all right, I suppose. <laughs> nice one, and uh, Scott still got your free hit left to play as well, and um, he played your wild card this week. Disappointing result, probably fifty-five points. I think off the back of that. Yeah, but I mean, if the Liverpool game ended a minute earlier, it wouldn't have looked too bad. That Trent goal murdered me compared to everyone else that had him. I think I'm pretty much the only one in our league that doesn't have him. So, unlucky, really, uh, that he popped that in top corner. Yeah, I'm just bottling it, mate. I just want it to be over now. <laughs> two, two, two weeks in a row, bottom of the uh, well, bottom of you three. Anyway, you did better than me the week before last. Um, but uh, plenty of time left, and you're still in the best position, that's for sure. You're top of the mini league out of us four, and uh, and you've got the most chips left. So it's definitely not season over for you yet. Um, going to the game week 32 preview. Um, I had a couple of questions come in this week from our listeners, so thank you very much for those. Um, Spurs, obviously, the hot topic because they've got a double game week this week. And one of the questions came in was, apart from Son and Kane. Should I be looking at getting any other Tottenham Hotspur assets in? Well, 
the short answer to that question is probably not, and if not, no. But when I had a look at a few of the assets that you could have, um, obviously you could look at Aurier and Regulon. They look pretty nailed on at the back that you might be able to get some returns from those guys, but Spurs' defence is terrible and they haven't really done very well. Um, the main person I'd pick out is Lucas Moura. So he's 6.6 million. He's only 2.4% owned by the entire game. And he has done quite well. The majority of his attacking returns have come in the last sort of eight, eight or nine game weeks. Um, if you were going to go for a Spurs asset, the third one to Son and Kane, um, I think Lucas Moore would be the shout. And if you are stuck with him for the rest of the season, it isn't all bad. Spurs have Everton, obviously, this week in Southampton, but then they have a blank in game week 33, but then they play Sheffield United, Leeds, Wolves, Villa and Leicester for the rest of the season. So I definitely, I'm not advocating tripling up on Spurs, but if you do want to get the extra player in and you do want to gamble a little bit and have a differential, Lucas Moura would be that extra player. Um, do, you think, do you think it's worth on that, Alex, then, for a Lucas Moura? Is it worth taking the t- using the transfer to bring him in and just take him straight back out the next week? Because you're talking about holding on to him. But if you can, is it worth just taking him out, uh, bringing him in for the double game week, taking a punt on him and just taking him straight back out the week after? Yeah, if you've got your free transfers um, and it doesn't screw you over for forward moves, then, uh, then yeah, absolutely. A lot of people who used their wild card last week um, will be sitting there now thinking, well, I've got a good team for this week. I don't need to use a transfer up. Um, my personal preference when I wildcard is to bank a transfer that next week. So then I've got those two. Um, but if you look at it and you think I can get more in this week and then more are out, you just, you, you just, you're getting rid of your safety net. That's all. And if you've got Son and Kane, I don't think it's necessary. Um, but yeah, you can take that gamble. And obviously for yourself, Tom, if you're just over a million in the world, you, you, you want to gain that rank, you've literally got nothing to lose. So yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a gambler at heart anyway, so taking a punt on Mora sounds right up my street. The other question I had was, uh, is it worth taking a minus four uh, this week to get a Spurs asset in? Um, and the simple answer to that question again is, yes, it is for Son and Kane, and no, it isn't for anybody else. Um, unless, of course, you are looking at players within your team that are dead weight and they are not going to feature anymore for the rest of the season. We'll look at who plays and who doesn't, but that's the that was the other question. Um, the fixtures do look pretty amazing for this week. Um, I have so many different captaincy options, I just had to pick a couple because the fixtures just look mad. Obviously, uh, Bruno against Burnley, I think look, Burnley are in terrible form in terms of conceding, average conceding more than two goals a game most recently. Um, I'd also look at looking at a differential again at Edison Cavani. So 2.2% owned. Marshall's out for the season. He looked fantastic against Spurs and he's only 7.8 million. So another differential option for you there to go for. Um, Lingard against Newcastle. Uh, anyone for Liverpool with Leeds, you, you know, you could gamble on those guys if you wanted to do so. But I think I would be looking at potentially Lingard against Newcastle. And an outside shout again. Jared Bowen, potentially, um, as a differential pick. Um, other transfer options you could look at. Uh, I would just note that if you haven't got Ian Acho, he looks nailed on in that front two. And quite ridiculously, when I look at his ownership, when I had, uh, it, it's still crazy low, even though his numbers have been going up, uh, scoring goals every single week. And the next four fixtures are against West Brom, Crystal Palace, Southampton and Newcastle. Um, so, yeah, those are the tips that I'd have. Uh, this week for me, I'm, I'm probably not doing any transfers. I'm banking it. 
Uh, and uh, and yeah, hoping that my wildcard team does uh, does bits for me again this week. Um, would you, looking at the fixtures this week, recommend a good week for the majority of people, maybe bench boosting then, Alex, you think? Yeah, if especially if you're wildcarded, um, because your team should be set up to have some good options. I mean, for example, this week on my bench, I'm going to be having Mason Mount, Rudiger both playing Brighton, Nat Phillips against Leeds and Forster, I suppose, against Spurs. But if you've set your team up for it, yeah, it's probably a really good week to to, to use the bench boost. I think the last thing I will mention before I move on is I'll be triple captain in Harry Kane this week. I mean, it's just a double game week for Spurs. You, you can't... There's so many different options and differential ones, but like, yeah, be triple captain Kane. You could triple captain Son if you wanted to do so. Harry Kane's owned by nearly half the game. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'd be looking this week anyway. I mean, he's kept that one very quiet right to the end there. So sneaky, <laughs> sneaky, sneaky shout. But cheers, I wanted, Alex, to give you all, I wanted to get you all the on, Cully. That's what I wanted to do. It's so happy. Even... Double game week, Harry Kane. I mean, come on. Well, yeah, Kane's my captain. I'm sure he's pretty much everyone's captain in this group. But uh, triple captain, yeah, fair play. Good luck to you, mate, um, with uh, how that goes. Okay, we're going to finish with quick fire as always. And for that, I'm going to send you over to Mr. Tom Hughes. Yep. Uh, so uh, I'm going to lead with a question on Champions League, boys. Uh, and I'm actually going to go to uh, Scott just to talk us through the Chelsea and Real Madrid semi-final that we've got coming up, uh, which is going to be an interesting tie. Uh, Chelsea, I wouldn't say cruise through, had a little scare with Porto, uh, but certainly certainly looked very comfortable in the first leg. How do you see that one going, Scott? Um, who do you see coming through that one? Yeah, it was a uh, well. It was pretty easy actually for Chelsea. Um, they didn't concede to last kick of the game. If anyone's not seen it, go on YouTube, watch the Porto goal. It's an unbelievable overhead kick. Um, but yeah, they they look pretty comfortable. They they've looked great since two shells come in. Um, they've had the one blip against West Brom. They're playing against the Real Madrid team who weathered the first half storm against Liverpool. And I'm going to touch on it probably in a moment. But Liverpool look like Battler themselves for a few, half an hour there. Um, They've not done great this season. They have some key players out, Real Madrid. I think it's a close one. I can I can see Chelsea doing it. I can I really can. Um, they like I said, they've, they've looked good. They've got some players on form. I, I, whoever wins that semi is going to be an underdog for the final, which is crazy when you think Real Madrid won in the teams. But yeah, I can I can see them doing it. It, it mirrors the when they won it a few years ago. They had a manager come in late. Even to the Ben Chilwell goal was similar to um, Torres's orgasmic Gary Neville reaction, wasn't it? So um, I, c- I can see can see them doing it, um, and it would be be interesting. Yeah, I, it's, I think it's going to be an interesting tie. I've said from pretty early on in Tuchel's reign that I think Chelsea look solid enough at the back to go and do something in the Champions League, which I think is really important. So very good shout, uh, Cully. Ollie was talking a lot about the game being gone with that Son decision, which is strange because then he blamed Man United's home form and their capacity to play football on some flags in the stand, which I thought was interesting. So, uh, yeah, any sense to that? Uh, is it the worst excuse a manager's ever come up with? Oh, I'm not sure it's the worst excuse any manager's ever come up with. Um, I My manager comes up with quite a few excuses, mainly to do with weather, if I'm honest. So... Um, it's not the worst. Uh, I remember a Fulham owner, I think it was the Fulham owner, who blamed the the uh, Michael Jackson statue or something like that. I think it was something like that. 
Um, I think it was in mid two thousands that got taken down, and their home film was awful after that. Michael Jackson statue got taken down, so I've heard some some right excuses. But yeah, he, Ollie's Ollie, and he laughed all the way through that press conference. I'm not too sure how serious he was. I'm sure Alex has got an opinion on it. But he, he, Alex said that he was joking, but I've listened to it back, and I've listened to it on the radio, and I've read the transcript, and he may have been laughing while he said it, but he's just getting his he's getting his bailout clause ready for the board meeting at the end of the season. Little edges, Tom. Little edges. That's all it needs. Little. You've got pushy <laughs> margins. Uh, I'll move. I'll move on from that then. But uh, Alex, go on then. Um, probably too far gone now uh, for Fulham and West Brom. But West Brom picked up a couple of big results. Uh, you know, is there any chance? We said that there isn't. But is there any chance? Could we see some kind of small miracle for either of those clubs? Weirdly, at the moment, they look like they're more likely than Fulham to escape because they're well, eight points from safety with a game in hand on Fulham, who have six points from safety, uh, two wins in a row. Fulham, such a shame, four losses off uh, on the bounce. Uh, yeah, I think they're looking too far gone. They've, everyone's got quite tough fixtures, to be fair, when I looked at it. Um, I think I think they are both going to get relegated, but I do really, really hope. Now, especially with Newcastle players coming back, to Maximan and Wilson, but we're all hoping that it comes down to the final day and it's Fulham against Newcastle, aren't we? You know, that would be, be great. What a good spectacle. The, the big game is going to stay in the Premier League. But yeah, the only time we'll be watching Fulham-Newcastle, isn't it, under them circumstances? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's a, that's a good point. I think, to be honest, uh, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit disappointed. Like you say, those four games that Fulham could have just picked up, you know, even four points in those games, it would have really been interesting. Uh, I think Scott Parker and that whole team will be furious at themselves should they go down now, which they probably will. But uh, it's an opportunity missed from them after those really good results. Uh, probably the big one, Cully, City, PSG. You know, Pep was talking about them making history by reaching uh, the semi-final for the second time as a club. Uh, is it finally City's year? They're coming up against a really, really, I guess, good PSG side. Uh, they're not excellent, but they're good. They look scary going forward. Neymar and, and Mbappe, they're just, they're just so, so good. Who comes out of that tie? It's probably, is, and are one of those going to win it if they, whichever team does end up winning that game? Um, I think this is an extremely, extremely 50-50 tie. Maybe City, maybe 51-49 favourites, if you want to put it that way. But the defence is the key for PSG, I think. If they can defend well against City, the City are going to have the majority of the ball and they're the better football team. If they can defend well, I think PSG could do it. But if City keep their heads and play with their heads uh, instead of their heart in the semi-final, just keep concentrated. Forget the nerves of being in the first semi-final for ages. I think they will. I think they're going to win it, if I'm honest. City. I'm, I don't know what Alex feels like, but I feel sick at the thought of City winning the Champions League or Chelsea winning the Champions League, if I'm honest. So I don't want any either of them. I know everyone says, oh, English clubs, blah, blah, blah. No, no, not for me. I want PSG or Real Madrid. One thing that's a guarantee is Kyle Walker's starting that game, isn't he? At right back against <laughs> Mbappe. Like, because John Stones is just going to get turned inside out by how fast he is. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I want English clubs to do as well as possible. But yeah, if my choice was between City, Chelsea, and Liverpool, it was just, I don't care. <laughs> I don't, what other choice just, you got? That's, <laughs> that's, it. Don't Man United. <laughs> that's it. Don't, that's, that's what I mean. Just don't care. I'd love an English team to win it, but I don't really care which one it is. Just, just, just a quick whatever. a quick follow-up question to Scott on that, because you've watched the, the PSG games and the City game yesterday. We watched uh, quite a bit of that. 
it's pretty much two complete two experts for competing styles at the moment. PSG pretty much just countered both all but for both the games against Bayern, they just counterattacked. And City are probably the masters of possession-based football at the moment. So is it a bit of a who can pull off the styles best? Does that sum it up right, do you think? Yeah, I, I, I would I would agree. I think I agree with Cully, actually, which is quite rare. Um, I think, I don't think City can get arrogant about it and say, actually, we're the best team. Because, actually, if you can stop um, this PSG team counter-attacking, you'll win the game because the defence isn't great. And But when they've got Mbappe playing like Mbappe does... And I'll be honest, um, Di Maria as well. He's been looking very good. And Chippo, uh, not Chippo Mounting, and uh, he's not there anymore. What an agent. <laughs> um, but some of the other boys, they're, they're, <laughs> they're looking frightening. I just hope they just go at each other and it's a great game. And yeah, I hope an English club does win it because it'd be good for the league. And Cully's not bitter at all about last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think overall we probably all want an English club to win it. I, I'm not um, bitter at all. I've just said I want Real Madrid to win it. Those four clubs, they're they're probably, can you believe it? Real Madrid are probably the least hated out of those four clubs. They're, they're awful. Them three other three clubs. Well, right? yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I want <laughs> Phil Foden to win it personally. So anyway, I'll hand back over to you, Cully. Sorry that overran a little bit in the end, but I was distracted by some flags in the background. So <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Great shout. Right, but just as we've got a little bit of time, just as we're on the Champions League, very quickly, who are the two teams that are going to make the final? Scott, go and start with you. Who are the two teams that are going to make the final for you? Man City, Chelsea. Oh, all English. Alex? Uh, Man City, Chelsea. Tom? PSG, Chelsea. Right, I'm, I'm, I think it's going to be Man City and Real Madrid. God, you love Real Madrid, don't you? No, nah, it's not. It's not that I absolutely despise them, but I just, I just think they've got the know-how. In the, in well, we got the, beaten uh, by the winners. We got beaten <laughs> by the winners. Don't matter. Don't win anything with that gully. Adrian Carrius. <laughs> Who did you get beat by again? Leipzig. They're out. They're out, mate. Don't worry about that. Right, we're going to finish. Call it a day there before we start arguing. Um, <laughs> if anyone wants to follow us on social media, please do so on All In Football Pod on Instagram. On all in football, P on, twi- uh, P on Twitter as well. Tune in next week. We'll be talking players of the season, the senior award this time, of course. We'll be reacting to Liverpool Leeds. Uh, obviously, me and Tom are, are very uh, much invested in that one. Uh, and we'll also be talking about diversity in football and how we can improve it as well. So we'll see you next week. Remember to gamble responsibly at the weekend and all kickoffs. Remember our change to 12.30 and 5.30. Please remember that. And thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs>